0: Have you ever done that? Have you ever put someone off becoming a Christian? Now, I don't mean because you were, you know, just being a bit weird and strange. I don't know whether you saw Question Time on the television last, last week. There was a very unusual chap on that show who turned out he was a Christian. And so he was a bit scary, actually. Uh, I don't mean like that, or I don't mean because you've not been the best advertisement for the Christian faith. What I mean is, have you ever sort of purposefully um, discouraged people, telling them to think again about following Jesus Christ? Have you ever done that? It feels a very strange thought, doesn't it? Why would you do that? I mean, if a friend from from work or a neighbor uh, has begun to show interest in your faith, and has come along to church with you, perhaps you've begun to read the Bible with them, and uh, they turn around to you and say, I want to follow Christ. What, what's our response? It's, it's normally total joy, isn't it? Maybe even disbelief. R- really? Yes, I want to follow Christ. Well, that's fantastic. We would, say, we would encourage them all the way, wouldn't we? It would be a very strange thought to put them off. But why is it that Jesus does exactly that in one particular situation? Have you ever seen this? This is very unusual. Turn with me to your Bibles. Matthew chapter 8, uh, verses 18 to 23. We're going to read that. You'll find that on page 973 in the church Bibles. Page 973, Matthew chapter 8. when Jesus saw the crowd around him he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake then a teacher of the law came to him and said teacher I will follow you wherever you go Jesus replied foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. These are surprising verses, aren't they? And I do want us to consider why it was that Jesus appeared to rebuff these two men who seemed so interested But it's great first to remind ourselves, why did people want to follow Jesus in the first place? I think it's important for us to consider that in a time in Scotland where uh, so many think it's an irrelevant thing to do. Uh, This weekend, 85,000 people will go through the gates at uh, Tea in the Park Music Festival to listen to Such bands as the Arctic Monkeys, Biffy, Clyro, and the Manic Street Preachers. Where do they get these names? And many other bands. 85,000 will be pouring in each day to listen to these guys um, on the stage. But back in the first century, the crowds were thronging not to a music festival, but to listen to Jesus. Now, why was that? What drew them? Well, look back at chapter 7 and verse 28. Jesus had just finished preaching this, perhaps his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, 7 verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus taught with great authority about the kingdom of heaven. He spoke as an expert On the kingdom of heaven. Uh, The place where all evil and wickedness would be obliterated under God's perfect rule. A place where people would be in uh, perfect relationship with God and and perfect and joyful relationship with each other. Uh, A place where there would be no more want, uh, no more poverty, no more disease, no more bloodshed, which sounds as good today as it did back then, especially in a week where we've just heard more and more of the horrors of of what's going on in Israel and Gaza, in southern Sudan and in Nigeria. And Jesus was, was teaching about what sort of people would one day inherit the kingdom of heaven. The very beginning of the sermon goes like this, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it costs you 200 quid to go to tea in the park but you get into the kingdom of heaven by being poor in spirit by actually recognising the spiritual poverty before God you've got nothing to offer nothing to give that's the way in to this kingdom of heaven and he talked about the values and the priorities of the, the people who live on earth as citizens of heaven. He said things like this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, food, drink, clothes will be added and will be given to you as well now how could Jesus speak with so much authority about the kingdom of heaven quite simply this because he is the son of God the king uh, that God has chosen the king who was bringing in this kingdom of heaven upon earth and how can we know that? It's an outrageous claim. How can we know that? Well, because his actions backed up his words. You know, he not only spoke with great authority about the kingdom of heaven, but he acted with a great authority as a king in this world. And as you as you leave the sermon, rank you go to chapter eight, the beginning of it, uh, you see these miracles, which in a sense give a preview of what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like these miracles are not magic tricks to wow the crowds they're, they're little tasters they're previews of what this kingdom that is coming what it's going to be like and uh, so in chapter 8 it begins with this, uh, this man rather than being repelled by this man with leprosy which was an incurable disease gained by contact Jesus actually reaches out his hands and touches him and heals him amazing banishes all sickness and the the blessings of this kingdom they're not just for the Jewish people and he shows that by the very next story of how um, this man who is a Roman centurion he gets to enter into the blessings the foretaste of this kingdom of heaven simply by trusting the word of Jesus You become poor in spirit, and you trust what Jesus says. Uh, He says to Jesus, just say the words, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. The centurion showed he believed Jesus by heading home, and his servant was healed. And after that, we've got the story of um, Peter's mother-in-law, who was instantly restored from being bedridden with a fever. Fever was the most common sign that you were about to die and uh, she was bedridden with this fever Jesus comes in he touches her hand again and instantly the fever leaves her instantly she's returned to health and strength no lag there and up she jumps and serves them all this is a preview of the kingdom of heaven Jesus had come to bring this everlasting kingdom of heaven where disease and sickness and evil and wickedness would be no more what a prospect what a prospect this is what this is the world we want, isn't it? It's not surprising that people wanted to follow Jesus. That large crowds of people just have flocked about him wherever he went. It's the same reason why Callum is getting baptized today. It's the reason why this church exists here in Edinburgh. Because we are persuaded that Jesus is the Son of God, the King appointed by God to bring in this everlasting heavenly kingdom. So There's no surprise to me why people want to follow Jesus. That's why I'm following Jesus. The big surprise here, as we thought about at the beginning, is why did Jesus put these men off from following him? Uh, verse 18 begins to alert us that uh, being part of the crowd doesn't necessarily mean you're one of his disciples. Uh, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Normally people court large crowds to have influence. He sees the crowds and he wants a getaway boat. And as the preparations are being made for them to get away, these two men step forward and initiate a conversation with Jesus. Now, let's think about these two men. Now, we don't know the names, but Andy Prime came up with some names at the staff meeting that I thought were too good to miss. The first is Mr. Too Quick, and the second is Mr. Too Slow. I think Andy got that from somewhere else as well. So let's think about Mr. Too Quick. Verse 19 tells us that Mr. Too Quick was a scribe. What does that mean? Well, he was a, a teacher of God's law. He was an expert in what? You know the first five books of the Old Testament that we have. He was an educated man. He was a scholar. In the community, he would have been a man of standing, a leader. What a great potential convert! You know, a professor from um, Edinburgh University, someone who's in the theology department, comes down and he says, I'm, "I, I want to follow Jesus." You think, "Wow, what an amazing thing!" there's a Christian in the theology department of Edinburgh University that's what you'd be thinking uh, well, how extraordinary uh, they, they probably are I'm not, I'm not, I don't know but, and what, what he says here sounds so encouraging teacher I will follow you wherever you go teacher I will follow you wherever you go he's loved hearing what Jesus had to say he's been amazed at all the reports he's heard and uh, he wants to follow Jesus wherever he goes I'm going to follow you Jesus What what an incredible thing to say to Jesus and yet Jesus detects that this man though enthusiastic, though sincere his response was superficial he hadn't thought it through this man was too quick to promise this commitment did the scribe look at the massive crowd and think wow look at this here's an opportunity to get in at the ground floor Uh, to be with this Jesus could be a position of status of security if he's the messiah king then uh, maybe potentially following him could lead to a comfortable position uh, be influential in this kingdom we don't know exactly what he's thinking but from the reply of Jesus it appears they've been too quick to promise without understanding the cost of following Christ look at verse 20 Jesus replied foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head what an arresting thing to say the foxes and birds have better digs than Jesus To follow Jesus, we need to remember that in his earthly ministry, he was a king without a palace, without a bed, a king with few possessions, a king without property. To establish this kingdom of heaven on earth came at great personal cost to Jesus. Great self-humbling. He had friends where he could stay. But as he went from place to place, preaching the good news of the kingdom, he didn't know from night to night where he was going to sleep. Now here's a king who understands the plight of the homeless and all the insecurities that that means. Jesus understands more than many of us, perhaps, about the guy selling the big issue on the street. What a humble servant king. Now, had this scribe understood it? Had he really thought through what it means to follow a king like that? I wonder, have we really thought about it? I guess we all have dreams and hopes for living a comfortable life. As parents, we encourage our children to work hard at school, uh, work hard at college, so they can maybe get some good qualifications and maybe get a well-paid job so they can afford to buy a house and fill it with lots of nice things and have children and repeat the cycle. We want them to be safe. We want them to be healthy. But but what if our children turn around and say to us, well, um, they believe that uh, Jesus is calling them to leave their well-paid job and to study the Bible and then to... Um, go overseas to a really dangerous place what if your child said to you i, I feel i feel dad uh, the lord is calling me to plant churches in syria or afghanistan a place where there's which is dangerous life-threatening a place where there's no really not really good health care would we encourage them or discourage them have we taken on board that following a king who had nowhere to lay his head might mean that we also should be willing to embrace sacrifice, discomfort, danger, loss as we follow him? Or are we basically lulled into the wilderness of our age where, you know, while we read our Bibles every day and pray and always. We, We we still hold the same values. We want to live comfortable, middle-class lives. I want my middle-class life life, and I want Jesus. But what if Jesus asks us to do something to give up those things that are are, are precious to us? Have we falsely expected to live like royalty now and in the world to come? Uh, As Jesus says in a a chapter coming up, a student is not above his teacher nor a a slave above his master if this is how jesus lived in his earthly ministry why would we assume that we're going to be in a better more comfortable place now jesus wanted mr too quick to follow him but to do so having carefully considered the cost and I think we need to take a passage like this and think very carefully. We are so we're so desperate to see people become Christians. We'd love we love it to see people become Christians. And the danger is if someone who's come along, shown a bit of vague interest, or ticked the box, said they've prayed the prayer, come the forward come forward, we, we rush to say, Oh yeah. You're in, you're fine. Even if their life has not changed one iota. We we need to be very careful. Have we actually spelled out the cost of following Christ? What is the cost of following uh, Christ? What's the cost of entering into this heavenly kingdom? Well, the first thing we need to be absolutely clear about is that all the cost to achieve salvation, to achieve entrance to this kingdom of heaven, is paid completely by the Lord Jesus Christ. The cost to him was more than uh, not being sure where he was going to lie his head at night. Um, The verse immediately before our section, verse 17, is a quote from Isaiah. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Written hundreds of years before Jesus came, uh, this is a a promise by God that there's a humble servant king coming who is going to um, take the place of people who've committed sin and iniquity and transgressions and be punished in their place. Martin read read it to us earlier, didn't he? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all yes it was more than sleeplessness that cost jesus he was heading in his ministry quite definitely and purposefully to being killed uh, and executed by the romans on a cross there's actually one of the gospels that uses this very phrase of lay his head of christ laying his head on the cross and dying that's where he rested lay down his life at the cross So that actually entrance into this kingdom of heaven is completely free. That's why he can say, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you realize that you've got nothing to give, nothing to buy, nothing to offer God and realize that you are spiritually poor and you humble yourself before him, recognize you're a sinner, he can give us entrance into his kingdom. It is all completely free. To enter the kingdom of heaven. But that is not to say that there isn't actually a personal cost for us to choose to follow Christ. He's paid it all, but there is, a, is there a cost to us to respond to that call? We've begun to think about it. It is a, it is a cost of recognizing, acknowledging that we're sinners. It is a cost of, of repenting of that sin. It is that cost of saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I've lived such a self-centered life of comfort just for myself. I am willing to put Jesus first above my comfort. I'm going to deny myself, take up his cross and follow him. There is a cost, isn't there? If we are seriously to be genuine disciples of Christ. Well, Mr. Too Quick in promising needed to be reminded of that. Let's turn to Mr. Too Slow. Mr. Too Slow is described there in, uh, in uh, verse 21 as another disciple, which as you follow the, 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 the conversation, it probably means more that he was just one of these crowds that was following Jesus around again, intrigued by what he had to say. And his request, I think, sounds both encouraging and reasonable. He wants to follow Jesus as his Lord, but he's got a prior obligation to deal with. Verse 21. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, did he mean that his father had actually just died and he needed to attend to the funeral arrangements? Or more likely, that his father was getting old and needed to be cared for in his remaining years? And that this man is saying, well, after caring for my dad and uh, after his uh, funeral service, uh, then I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Now, is that a reasonable request? After all, um, God was clear in the Ten Commandments, wasn't he, about uh, the responsibility of children to their parents. Children here, do you remember what it says in the Ten Commandments about your parents? Do you remember what it says? Honour, Your father and mother. Why am I looking at my son? Honor your father and mother. Not just pastor's kids, all kids and their parents. Honor your father and mother. And Jesus actually berated uh, those who um, used the temple contribution system as a way to avoid support for their parents. The Apostle Paul talks about the duty of of adult children to support for their parents and that refusing to do so is to deny the Christian faith to be worse than an unbeliever, in fact. So clearly, Jesus is not encouraging us to disrespect, chronically, our parents. But there is something about Mr. Too Slow's request that is more about procrastination than about him fulfilling family responsibilities. And that's clear from Jesus' Response. Look at verse 22. Jesus told him, follow me to command and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, that's a startling phrase, isn't it? Because the dead can't bury the dead. It must mean something like this. Let the, the, the spiritually dead, those who aren't following Christ, let them bury the physically dead. What is, it, what is he saying here? Well, he's saying to Mr. Too Slow that he's too slow in, in, in following Jesus because he's putting allegiance for his family above allegiance to Christ. And if there's any other priority, there's clashing with a commitment to be a disciple of Christ, then there's a problem according to Jesus. I can't think of any higher commitment than responsibility to honour your parents. But even with that, Jesus says, if that is actually in the way of clashing with you following me, then we've got a problem. To meaningfully call him Lord, then he has to be number one in our lives. So Jesus says to him, he says, can I have more time, Jesus? Follow me, is what Jesus says. It's an ongoing command keep following me don't let anything else get in the way of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ not even family responsibilities Jesus will go on to say more about this in Matthew chapter 10 anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus is so radical, isn't he? In his call, in his authority as king. Now it's hard for us if we've grown up in a Christian family to understand the tensions and difficulties some people may face if they've grown up in a non-Christian family and decide to follow Christ. But for those who become Christians in Jewish families or Hindu families or Muslim families, there can be great sacrifice in telling your mum and dad, I have decided to become a follower of Jesus. And I've known people in all those different contexts um, being cut off from previously loving families and even threatened with death for converting to Christianity. And when people embrace such a cost, it is pretty strong evidence, isn't it, that they're a genuine Christian. I remember one man in Spokane, uh, where I was a pastor in America. He started attending Sunday services every week, and he just seemed greatly moved every week at the door. He was so effusive about how every sermon he heard was just changing his life, and and, and Jesus was extraordinary, and it was Reorientating everywhere he was thinking. He seemed so close to becoming a Christian. But in the end, you know what? He did walk away without making a commitment to Christ. Why was that? Well, in the end, he chose his family rather than Jesus Christ. His fiance was not a Christian and she didn't want Jesus complicating their relationship. He had wealthy parents. And uh, they became more and more hostile to his newfound enthusiasm to Christ. And as he counted the cost, he went for his family rather than Jesus. What a tragedy. To walk away from the Son of God. To walk away from the one who had um, given up his life to pay for his sins. To offer him... Full forgiveness what a tragedy to walk away from this uh, everlasting kingdom he didn't progress any further than this man at this point in the story where after he said to jesus i want to follow you but not just yet that's effectively what the man was saying i want to follow jesus but not just yet i wonder is there someone here today and you're holding Jesus off because there's a higher priority and you keep getting drawn to come back and listen and listen and you keep feeling challenged about this but actually as you walk away you you still keep that thing number one can I urge you if you keep doing that you are hardening your heart and you'll get to the point where you'll never seriously consider Christ again I want you to hear the call of Christ afresh follow me Let the dead bury their own dead. Now is the time to obey Christ. Now is the time to put him first. Jesus did want these men to follow him. If you're here today, I want to tell you, he wants you to follow him. He's gone to extraordinary lengths to to throw open the gates of the heavenly kingdom to you. But they needed first to understand in this discipleship that um, to have Jesus was more precious than comfort and security. To have Jesus was more precious than even family. You know, there may be a cost to following Christ. There may be things that are the most important things in our life that need to become secondary compared to him. But what an adventure when we follow Christ. After these conversations, these disciples get into the boat and let me tell you, come back next week, they had an unbelievable experience. Uh, They didn't know where they were going to sleep that night, but they saw a revelation of the glory of Christ that they would not forget. What an adventure when we follow Christ. Have you heard the call of Christ? Maybe you're feeling the Lord challenging you to think about leaving your comfortable situation and taking some risky step of, maybe you are considering um, stepping out in evangelism. Stepping out, uh, thinking about short-term missions trip. Maybe doing something that you know actually your parents are not going to be happy about, but you know that the Lord's calling you to do. Praise God, it is quite often possible that we can honor Christ and honor our parents. It's not mutually exclusive. But maybe there is something that the Lord's calling you to do and I want you to hear his, his words through me today. Follow